0: happy day rosa garcia with why jesus hoping that you are having a great night that you have looked at your day today and only focus on those things that were good and that made you feel that you had a great day i do my best to look at the best around me so that I can, at the end of the day, feel better about what transpired. And when I do that, I can usually smile, feeling like I was able to find God's love in the midst of everything I did for the day. So, hoping that is the case for you and your loved ones. So, I am working on... new testament today so the come follow me manual can be bought at desert books or you can download the app for the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and do a library search for come follow me and we are on the week of february 10th through the 17th on the new testament and this is something i did not do 2 years ago on a podcast so i'm going back and doing this as long as well as the current book that we're we're focusing on so the dates may be a little bit off but uh the material is fantastic and it's very, very relevant to our day the last way that you can get this come follow me manual for the new testament is on the lds.org app and do a library search for the come follow me and get on the week that we are covering today so today's um sorry the week is February 11th through the 17th and it covers John chapters 2 to 4 in the New Testament and so this is called you must be born again So, I love their titles, it allows me to focus on what needs to happen, and then they do a great summary that I will read to you, and then they do some topics, and today, the topics that we will briefly cover will be The Power of Jesus Christ Can Change Me, I Must Be Born Again to Enter the Kingdom of God. Heavenly Father shows his love for me through Jesus Christ. Love it. Love it. And Christ offers me his living water. And then it clarifies, is God a spirit? Um, and so, lots to cover today. Let's see if we can do it justice. We are going to start on the summary. And it says here, at a marriage feast in Cana, Christ changed water into wine, an event John called the beginning of miracles. That's that's true in more than one sense. While it was the first miracle Jesus performed publicly, it can also symbolize another miraculous beginning the process of our hearts being transformed as we become even more like our Savior. This miracle of a lifetime begins with the decision to follow Jesus Christ, to change and live better, a better life through Him. Ultimately, this change can become so complete that becoming born again is one of the best ways to describe it. But rebirth is just the beginning of the path of discipleship, Christ's words to the Samaritan woman at the well remind us that if we continue on the on this path eventually the gospel will become a well of water inside us springing up into everlasting life. And so I I love that our journey to be born again um It can start with baby steps until we can feel the overwhelming power of Christ's life in us. And honestly, there's no better feeling than to have that because then you see the eyes with a different, you see the world, I want to say, with different eyes. And the eyes of hope, the eyes of purpose, the eyes of planning for a better future in the next life, uh, the eyes of not being fixated on just the things in this world, and the eyes of um, making those things that truly do matter uh, a priority, like family, relationships, um, just you know the things that will matter in the next life as you and i know we will not be able to take any of our riches or material things to the next life the only thing we're taking to the next life is our knowledge our talents and the relationships uh the love uh and relationships we had for uh those here on earth and so um The gospel of Jesus Christ truly lays out the plan for us to follow in our journey here on earth. And so I love that um, about that summary that says we must be born again because literally that is what happens. So it says here, the power of Jesus Christ can change me. And truly it can. So I'm going to read from John chapter 2, 1 through 11, and see what we learn there. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto them, Servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus said unto them, Fill the water parts, pots with water, and they filled them up with to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of feast, of the feast, and they bear it. Then the ruler of the feast had tested the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse... But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of a miracle did Jesus in Cana Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. So a lot of the times we think that the miracles were done for those that are, um, what's the word, lacking faith. For those that don't believe so that they now when they see a miracle can believe but in reality the miracles are done for those that have faith already and they are done for th- for them to be strengthened in that faith and so as you can see here um on that part of the scripture it says here um uh Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is wor- is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. So that miracle was made for his disciples because they would be crucial in being the foundation of the gospel that he was going to leave behind for them to continue without him and so miracles do exist today and they exist primarily to strengthen those that are faithful already uh, through the trying times and so hoping that you choose to be part of that by believing in jesus christ so um the next one it says here um it says here you may gain additional insights by considering the perspectives of the different people who were there such as mary the disciples and the others how might have these people have experienced a miracle? Um, and so what I just said is that they were the ones that benefited the most. And so now we're going to compare another miracle in John chapter 3, 1 through 8. And actually, this is one of my favorites. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi. We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou does, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the second, the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So Nicodemus asked a great question, and so bottom line, it is better for all of us to be born of water and of the spirit because then we are cleansed from everything that holds us back here on earth and it prepares us to enter the path where God can then now reveal his plan, his purpose, his mysteries, he can uh, strengthen us, he can bless us by being born again of, through baptism and through the confirmation of the gift of the Holy Ghost. None of this can happen, obviously, without us repenting. And repenting is what brings us to the doorstep of Christ or for us to... Uh, take that journey with him. And I have a quote here. I'm trying to remember who said this. So if I'm not giving credit to the right person, forgive me. Um, but I, I wrote it because I loved it. And uh, hopefully you get the, the message that is giving. And I'm giving all credit to whomever put it on whatever talk it was. But it says the remission of sins heals the spirit. Heals the spirit. That means that before we are converted to Christ, we all have experienced the pain, the sorrow, the grief, the unfairness, the persecutions the loneliness the bullying you name it we've experienced the you know crimes committed against us whatever we have experienced in life uh, whether it's through the actions of others inflicting those upon us or whether it's through us inflicting those painful moments through the horrible decisions we make ourselves, um, when we come to that point where we are done and we want heavenly help, um uh, the first step is to repent of our sins, and when we go through baptism and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost the remission of those sins that we just washed away, buried, and then the Holy Ghost sanctified us as pure and clean again, even as a baby when they are born. Um, That remission of sins then begins to heal our spirit. And can I just say, All of that burden, all of that pain that you carried with you for whatever reasons you carried them, the walls that you'd put up, the grudges, the hate, the, oh, you name it. Whatever was the reason for your misery, that all begins to go away. You no longer carry that burden. You are are feeling like a totally new person and you forget. Let me make sure you understand. You forget all of those sins you committed. And maybe not right away and not entirely, but whereas you like, they used to eat you alive to remember and think back at what happened and what you went through it no longer has that power to harm us that way. And so literally, the atonement of Jesus Christ allows for that healing to begin, and it is fabulous. I wish it upon all of you that are hurting and all of you that are suffering through the fear inflicted by these And I want to call them by the right name, criminals. Those that are in high positions over us that are committing crimes against humanity on another level that you and I do not know could ever happen because we were measuring crimes by the way they were done previously. You know, Holocaust, uh, you know, um, all these other, you know, slavery. We were thinking crimes along those, based on those crimes that have, have been committed. And now they're in a totally different level of committing crimes where you don't even know that they're committing the crimes because they are hiding all of their evil doings. Uh, and yet so many people are dying at the hands of these um, leaders of us that have so much power over us. And so God forgive them and God help us to decide to walk away and enter the waters of baptism to be cleansed but not only that, but to start in the healing process of healing our spirit and our mind so that we can move forward and prepare for the next life, which is the eternal part of our being. And so I hope that you felt just the power of that Um i i love that and then the next section says i must be born again to enter the kingdom of god and so god lives in a totally different place that we we are just too dirty for us to enter his home you know you think about your mom when she was mopping the floors and um she literally didn't want anybody to come in and step over the clean floors because then they're no longer clean. Well, you and I cannot walk into God's house being dirty from sins. It just cannot happen. It, we, Our own body would not tolerate it because we would understand how perfect He is, and we're not. And so, so here it says, we must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. It says, when Nicodemus came to Jesus in private, he was a cautious observer. Later, however, he publicly defended Jesus and joined the believers at the Savior's burial. Um, And remember, this is the guy that I just read about on John. Um, There's several things going on here. I'm going to, that's him before he even was baptized. But I'm going to give you a glimpse of who he was, um, you know, at a different time. Um, so I'm going to, this is just a little bit later on. Then came uh, the officers to the chief uh, priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answer them to the Pharisees, Are you also deceived? How, have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth they answered and said unto him art thou also of galilee search and look for out of galilee ariseth no prophet so he was standing up for jesus then and then later on and after this joseph of arimathea being a disciple of jesus but secretly for fear of the jews besought pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred-pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews to bury. So this Nicodemus was with Jesus till he died and anointed him and his body. And I can't even imagine uh, what that was like, but knowing that that was a savior of the world um, that he was ministering to. And so... And knowing what that all meant for all of us. That because he was dead now and he was soon to be resurrected, you and I would be given that gift to resurrect after as well. Um, And it says here, The Prophet Joseph Smith taught, Being born again comes by the Spirit of God through ordinances. Um through baptism and the confirmation that is called being born of the spirit so very important the same thing that was taught in the Old Testament New Testament about baptism is is the same thing that is taught anywhere because God is the same yesterday today and forever so there's no variance in what his gospel is from one part of the world to the next um the next topic heavenly father shows his love for me through jesus christ this is probably my favorite part of this whole reading is that i know without a doubt that heavenly father shows us his love through our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is his firstborn that he gave up willingly and sacrificed for our benefit. So think about that. Who of you and I having children would give their firstborn to die for everybody else that you don't even know physically yet? That would literally be impossible to do. But... So many have died and done the same. All of those people that serve us in the military, that give their life willingly for all of us so that we can enjoy our freedoms are some of those heroes. And obviously Jesus Christ um, being the highest um, of all for the gifts that he has given us to cleanse ourselves from sin um, and for us to... Be resurrected, um, so that we can then live with God forever if we choose to. So here, it says, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland taught, the first great truth of all eternity is that God loves us with all of His heart, might, mind, and strength. And so, um, it says, how have you felt the love of God? through the gift of his son it says the sacrament when you partake of the bread and water it provides a time to reflect on the love of god and the gift of his son and so i am thankful that i get to do that um on a weekly basis to remember that. And here's a scripture on John three sixteen through 17. Very well known. You love it. I'm sure you have heard it. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is the greatest message of love um, that I know of. And so, yes, absolutely, 100%, God shows us his love through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So um, then it says, Christ offers me his living water what does that mean it says one of the savior's messages to the samaritan woman was that how we worship is more important than where we worship what are you doing to worship the father in spirit and in truth so you know we've been smacked around with all the things that we cannot do uh in the name of it's for your own health so you don't spread this virus type of thing and they've taken our freedom to worship our freedom to walk without a mask uh a freedom to gather you name it our freedom um of just the agency that God gave us by birth by just being human all of those are being stripped away from us currently and so I love how it says here that it is uh it says here let's make sure I read it again it's more important um the Samaritan woman was that how we worship is more important than where we worship, so we must worship Jesus every day, wherever we're at, not just church on Sundays when we are able to gather at church. Um, and thankfully the prophet, and he's the prophet of the whole world. It just it's a matter of whether the people accept him or not but basically jesus set him as a mouthpiece in these last days um and so he has brought this come follow me manual the last three years and nobody knew what the purpose of this new change would be until the pandemic hit and then we realize how god had prepared him to do this come follow me manual because then he had changed the whole way of uh, saying that we the worship of jesus christ should be the center of our lives our home lives and the Going to church should be the secondary part where we worship, not the primary. So he turned everything around us and said, You have to prepare yourselves and your homes to worship the Savior and God there. And uh, lo and behold, he had just finished saying that when this darn pandemic hit, and then all of a sudden we could not worship in our places of worship anymore. And now we turned to doing the worshiping at home, just like the prophet had set it up through the Come, Follow Me manual. And also saying, you know, those people in the home that were worthy priesthood holders Uh, should bless and pass the sacrament to their own family members just like if it would be happening at church and we could hold the services or the lessons through the come follow me manual in the same way that we would do at church so he literally god prepared him to prepare us during these last days to make every home a place of worship for him a sanctuary And I am so grateful, Uh, and this comes to show you how God prepares his church and his people for what the world is going to throw on them before it even happens. And that was a clear, clear, it could not be more clear that President Russell, Russell M. Nelson is truly a prophet of God, that he is a mouthpiece for God and that God prepared him to make all of these changes come about before the pandemic hit. And so this is why you and I get to enjoy this Come, Follow Me manual because uh, it was prepared three years ago um, through God and his mouthpiece here on earth. To put it forth and make that change come about in the church so that we would have it under our belt uh, by the time the pandemic hit. and so I want to say i I miss congregating with the people at church, uh, although we are going back to church now and you know under all of these restrictions, whatever or not, it's still good to gather and partake of the sacrament. But we've been doing it at my home every single Sunday for so long that I almost look forward to my house feels totally different on Sundays because I have more of a reverence for my home knowing that I am going to make it my place of worship and partaking of the bread and water on Sundays just like I would at church. And so... It is definitely has changed my life and perspective that we are to worship God. Everywhere, not just at church. So, in any event, um, the last section here talked about. Um. Is God a spirit? And um, it says here. Some may be confused by Jesus' statement that God is a spirit. That Joseph Smith translation of this verse provides an important clarification: for unto such hath God promised His spirit. In John four twenty four footnote A, mother, mo, modern day revelation also teaches that God has a body of flesh and bones. And so we are going to go to Genesis five one two three. This is a book of generations of Adam in the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived in a hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called him Seth. So God tells us he created us in his image there in Genesis 5, 1, to 3. And then Hebrews in Hebrews one one two three, 3 he says God who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds so he's saying Jesus Christ is the creator of the world not you. okay who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he hath by himself purged our sins sat down sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high so the words to focus on is that Jesus Christ is in the express image of his Father, his person. So, God, our Father, has a body of flesh and bones. Now, Doctrine and Covenants, which is the new manual that we are covering this year, tells us more clearly, listen to this. Okay, if I can point at it clearly. The Father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's, the Son also, but the Holy Ghost has not a body of flesh and bones, but it is a personage of spirit. Were it not so, the Holy Ghost could not dwell in us. A man may receive the Holy Ghost, and it may descend upon him and not tarry with him. So the only one that has a spirit is the Holy Ghost. That is a spirit. But God and Jesus Christ have a body of flesh and bones, except that they're perfect and glorious. And so there, that dispels any confusion there may be on God being a spirit. Um, and so when the woman at the well um, was talking to Jesus, and they were talking about water and how. You know, you'd have to drink water because you thirst and you die without water. Um, the Jesus Christ, um, told her, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father, ye worship ye know not what we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such to worship him God is a is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth he's talking about his father how his father can dwell with us meaning his love can dwell with us and then uh let's see here (laughs) so the woman tells him um jesus give me of this water that i may no longer need to come to the well and fetch water because i'm thirsty Uh, I want to drink of the living water that you are speaking of. And obviously, he was talking about himself being the living water that we shall drink and not thirst. Because when we rely on him and his gospel, he will bless us to have what we need, not necessarily what we want. Excuse me, but what we need, and that usually sustain sustains us and strengthens us, so I hope that you enjoyed this February eleventh through seventeen and John chapters two to four on the New Testament uh one thing that I wanted to leave you with the doctrine and covenants that we're kind of doing sam- simultaneously um You know, I'm going to turn around and do that uh, in the next couple of days, um, do the week that is covering February 15th through 21st. But uh, there's something significant about that connects these two, the New Testament and Doctrine and Covenants. And one is that um, God... Tells us everything through his prophets that he has set on earth to lead lead the people physically um, and the apostles. So we had prophets and apostles in times of old, we have them now. Um and um these prophets are witnesses of Christ and God. And there's a scripture um in Corinthians that tells us uh, how God does his work um, among us. And I want to read that to you guys because it's so relevant. Um, it's on 2 Corinthians 13.1. It says, This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Okay, the mouth of two or three witnesses. So, calling your attention to the following. The Bible is a witness of Jesus Christ and his ministry and God the Father. The Book of Mormon is called a second witness of Jesus Christ, our Savior and God the Father. The Doctrine and Covenants that we're currently studying this year is a third witness of Jesus Christ and God the Father. So clear back on the New Testament on 2 Corinthians 13:1, God was telling us that God always has two or three witnesses to confirm something. And he does that today with his prophet and apostles. He did it in the times uh, of Joseph Smith when he was translating the Book of Mormon. He allowed three witnesses, Joseph Smith plus three others, to witness and touch the gold plates and look at the ancient language that Joseph had translated so that they can feel it and know that it was real and can testify to the world that they they know the Book of Mormon is the word of God and that it was translated by, you know, the power of God through his chosen prophet, Joseph Smith. Um, those three witnesses also saw uh, Moroni as a res- resurrected angel or being who showed him the plates Um, you know joseph finished the translation and he was commanded to give those plates back to moroni and moroni then brought him and showed him to the other three witnesses and then later on eight more people were chosen to testify of the same thing so this scripture completely says in the mouths of two or three witnesses shall every word be established That is how God works. And obviously, that has kind of stayed within our culture because our legal system is usually, you know, if we have witnesses to something, uh, it is a more credible uh, thing in a court of law than if there were no witnesses to a crime. So, I just wanted to connect The New Testament that we just finished talking about with the Doctrine and Covenants that we're currently going to go over in the next few days, uh, it's got to be the same doctrine yesterday, today, and forever. It cannot be different. We are all his children, and the way he teaches some is the way he teaches all. So I am thrilled that I was able to share this with you uh thank you for um listening and hopefully you got something out of this more than all more than anything i hope that you felt god's love for you that he truly has prepared a plan for you to follow so that you can then open yourself to his love his blessings his guidance his protection um, and so I hope that you are able to feel his love for you through our Savior, Jesus Christ, as this lesson uh, said. So this is Rosa Garcia with Why Jesus. Until next time.